Welcome to East Hills Alliance Church. We are everyday people following Jesus every day. Your worship team. We'll continue to worship now as we uh, look in God's Word. We're going to continue what we've uh, been doing. We're going to see Jesus. And uh, we've been looking through the eyes of Matthew as what he's recorded. And we're going to experience maybe a little bit of what they've done. We'll kind of reflect on how they've uh, experienced Jesus. But what's really important is who do we see? And more important than that is not only what's in our head, what we've seen, what we have as knowledge, but what's in our heart. The disciples have uh, seen many things that have really changed their expectations. And we set our expectations. Israel had set many expectations, and we set expectations. What if my children said, hey, folks, uh, let's take a vacation when it gets real cold this winter. Let's think of someplace sunny. We'll take you on a vacation. Think something sunny about, like, maybe Florida. So, oh, boy, I tell you what, I'm starting to set my expectations it's nice and sunny now, but we know what happens when October, November runs around. My expectations are, you know what? Sometime here, I'm going to get to go see that sunshine again. And I'm even thinking about maybe those things I'm going to do and how nice it's going to be. And maybe I'll go to a place where they'll really serve on me a little bit. You know, I'm going to really enjoy this vacation. Well, we finally go to the airport. We get in the plane, and we're flying to where the sun is shining. And, and what happens? That's Florida down there. Well, well, Dad, I didn't, I didn't tell you. We're actually going to Haiti. Uh, well, really? He goes, yeah, yeah, we have a little bit of work to do there. And, and uh, not only that, uh, you might not really be liked. In fact, the government right now says we shouldn't travel to Haiti. In fact, if you're an American citizen, you should be getting out. But this is where we're going. Well, what a change in expectations, Right. I mean, I think maybe some of you were with me. You're already remembering what it's like in those cold, wet winters, and I want to go to the sunshine. Interesting how we set expectations, but God, as we see with the disciples, God has really changed what, uh, what they're seeing and what they're, what they're experiencing. It, it's just, it's upsetting, isn't it? It's upsetting to them. And yet, because we know the love of Christ... They're willing to follow. When you think about when Jesus called them, at least some of them, he said, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. So what's a fisherman think? You know, <laughs> make you a fisher of men, right? So that making, that making has been a real process. It's been a process of them giving up and taking on. We have to give up selfishness. We've got to give up a lot of things to follow Christ. And that's that process that he has us in and that he had with his disciples. You know, and I'm thinking I'm, as a kid, you could put a plate of cookies or fudge or brownies in front of me, and my eyes could scan that, and I could tell the biggest one right there, right? That's, that's the one I'm going to get. You know, every, all of our little motivations that we have about selfish, selfishness, and many times we don't even realize those things, how we protect ourselves, avoid risks, those things that in our lives that we're not willing to do, 
Yet Jesus was calling his disciples out into all of those things. And he's calling, yeah, I know he calls me. You know, I, I'm not the scholar. <laughs> I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm just the school of hard knocks. And so that's what I'll be talking from today. I am so glad that they recorded those disciples. When Matthew's writing this out, he could have cleaned everything up, right? In fact, that's one of the things that we know that, uh, you know, the authenticity of the New Testament because they were willing to tell on themselves. Wow, they're failures. Wow, this is amazing thing. So, <clears throat> when you think of the disciples, how they were instructed, and did they have failures? Yes, they did. But what they really centered on was God's grace. God's grace. God was... Jesus was always there showing his love and his grace. And that's what keeps us going every day. It's God's grace. It's God's grace. Have you ever wondered what the prayers were like of the disciples? When they asked Jesus, well, teach us to pray, part of that was, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So they're very kingdom-minded. Of course, living with you know, or going around with Jesus, you better be kingdom-minded, right? But really, that's what we're called to be also, kingdom-minded. I'm reminded how this is my Father's world. You know, and uh, when we uh, talk about how God has come into our lives, do we talk about God has come in to my life? You know, is he on Team Bob now? <laughs> or have I said, no, I'm, I'm accepting your, you, Lord, as my Lord of my life. I'm going to be about kingdom work, your kingdom. Our perspective, our expectations are different based on how we are, our core beliefs. You think of all the ways that Jesus has been teaching and telling them examples, sending them out, successes and failures. And those are the same things that Christ calls us out to do, whether it's our job, whether it's our family. All those opportunities that we have to stand for the kingdom, those are the things that, that Christ is doing in our lives. So we've taken a little step back uh, in, in, from, from Matthew here, because what we're, I'm looking at doing here is, is establishing a little bit of a, uh, the, the fundamentals of where Christ has taken these disciples. He's been very, he's been, sometimes early on, he would do a, a miracle and say, now don't tell anybody. But what's going to happen in chapter 21 of Matthew is some people call it the messianic entry. They might call it the triumphal entry. Wow. Last week, we were hearing about God's grace, first being last, last being first, how God's grace levels the playing ground. But the temperature is going to get turned up now. Uh, it's going to be the intensity of this conflict between the natural, what what man has made of themselves 
what man has made mostly of religion is really going to come to come to head. And I'm going to get a drink of water. <laughs> and so we're going to be reading in Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to a town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them ahead. Go into the village over there, he said, and as soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with a colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord has need, has need of them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, Look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God, or in some translations, that's Hosanna for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Wow, we, we read this and, and we're on that part of that emotional high. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. It's at, uh, you know, Jerusalem is where the temple is. We'll give a little bit more information in this triumphal entry in Luke 19. It says that when they were saying, Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. They understood what he was saying. <laughs> They're saying, Welcome to the Messiah. That Hosanna comes from, I think it's the Psalm uh, 118, and very prophetic. There's several references to that Psalm. And they, they absolutely knew what his followers were saying. And Hosanna was saved now. Wow, here comes the Messiah. He says, teacher, rebuke your followers saying, for saying that. And he replied, if they kept silent, the stones would cry out, or the stones along the road would burst off in cheers. Wow. Wow. They say that's a metaphor. I don't know. <laughs> I think if everybody kept silent, I think God would have the rocks actually <laughs> cry out, cry out. You know, if we look at the different parts of this picture, we have those that were coming with Jesus into town. It's interesting. Some said, well, who is this? Well, because Jesus didn't do a lot of ministry within Jerusalem. I mean, in, because of good reasons, right? They wanted to kill him. <laughs> and so, so those that came with him were the ones that were proclaiming. And when you think about the palms, you know, here it said trees, but in the palm, uh, one commentator said that that was a, a display of independence. In fact, some of their coins would have a palm on that. And so it was these uh, branches. Of course, we come to call that Palm Sunday, right? But so there is so much imagery. There's so much 
excitement, so much uh, intensity. We've got, the, we've got the religious leaders that are saying things like, tell them to be quiet. And he said, hey, if they're quiet, the stones are going to cry out. So, so the anger heightens the, uh, you know, there's the, the, the people are cheering. But do you ever wonder, what did, what did Jesus, what was Jesus feeling at this point in time? And then we're going to ask, what did the disciples think? But in, in Luke, as you continue on in his gospel, he says, but as, as he came closer to Jerusalem and he saw the city ahead, he began to weep. He says, how I wish today that you, <clears throat> that all you people would understand <clears throat> the way to peace. But now it is too late and the peace is hidden from your eyes. Wow. Hmm. Have another drink, Bob. That's the same thing we pray for our loved ones, isn't it? <clears throat> I made the print too small, excuse me. So what do those disciples think, right? <clears throat> what are they feeling? Jesus has told them what's, what's going to go on. And, and we're so much like those disciples because we don't want to understand sometimes. They didn't want to understand what was going to go on. Even when, remember back when Jesus told those disciples that he was going to go to the cross, that he was going to die. And what did Peter say? Oh, never, never. That won't happen. He's telling, so here you are, telling God. But guess what? We tell God. We tell God. And yet, and then what happened? Oh, no, he's ready to fight for Jesus, right? I'll go to the death for you. But what, what happened when a servant girl asked him, aren't you with Jesus? And what did he say? I don't even know him. Sometimes we're more willing to fight for something than we are to live for something. Wow. <clears throat> so, in, your, uh, in, your, uh, in the bulletin, it says, what does the triumphal entry say to you? What does the triumphal, triumphant or the messianic entry say to you? And it's a, just a blank there, so you can fill it in. It's not the things that I say so much will be reading the word, but it's what the Holy Spirit says to you today. That's what's important. That's why that's blank today. There might be some things like, uh, what does this, the entry mean? I mean, look, uh, have we praised God? Have we, have we said, you are the Lord of my life. You are the Messiah. 
I'm willing to follow you. That's one thing that it could say to us. What were our expectations when Jesus came into our lives? How about trusting and obeying when the, what did we see? We saw those disciples. He told them, go get the donkey. And they did it. It's recorded, and they did it. I thought, well, how many times they didn't do it? How many, how many times I haven't done it, you know? <laughs> do it, Bob. You know, anyway. But they did it. They trusted and obeyed. And there it was, just as he said. God is omniscient. He knew it, where it was. He's writing on a, on a colt. Hasn't been broken. Nature obeys God. He came in, in peace and humility. Again, have I put Jesus on the throne? Have I asked him to be part of Team Bob? Or have I said, Lord, I'm yours. Do with me as you please. See this as kingdom work. So, okay, so we've gone through this, uh, the, this, in, this uh, triumphal entry. The next thing that's recorded in Matthew 21 is what we might call the, the cleansing of the temple. But before we get there, let me set a stage a little bit, because in, uh, Jesus guarantees us in this life we're going to have trials. And John, he tells us, he, he had told them everything that's going to happen to him. And he says, I've told you this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And if I also go back into Matthew, Matthew 12, where again we're setting the stage for this temple, entering the temple. And uh, he says, in Matthew 12, he told us that when an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and it does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. And when it arrives, it finds a house unoccupied. So we got stuff, we throw it out. If we don't reoccupy it with something of God, what happens? He says, then it goes, it, the spirit goes out, takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. So Jesus, by example, he's showing his disciples, you got to get things out of your life, get rid of those expectations, put on kingdom thoughts. Put on those glasses, you know, see me, right? He says, <clears throat> And that uh, take off all those things. When you get something out of your life, put more kingdom in it. Otherwise, other things are going to fill up your life that might even be worse than what you got rid of. Okay. So you think about the temple. Expectations of these disciples. Wow, we're going to the temple. What's Jesus going to do? I don't know. Is he going to walk into the Holy of Holies? I mean, you know, you got these... Different disciples, I mean, they've got all different thoughts. That's the other thing I like about the different Gospels. We get to hear and see about these different avenues, the different things that they wanted to do. So we're contrasting this humbleness coming into the city and the triumphal entry, comparing that with the Jesus clears the temple. Starting in verse 12 then. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he said to them, 
The scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. The leading priests and the teachers in religious law saw wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, praise God for the son of David. But the leaders were indignant. Wow. They asked Jesus, do you hear the, what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied. Haven't you ever read the scriptures? Whoa. <laughs> Haven't you ever read? The, for they say, you have taught children and infants to give you praise. And then he returned to Bethany where he had stayed overnight. In uh, the house of prayer, my temple be called the house of prayer. In Isaiah 56, uh, verses 6 and 7, I will also bless the foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord, who serve him and love his name, and worship him and do not desecrate the Sabbath day of rest, and who hold fast to my covenant. I will bring them in my holy mountain of Jerusalem and will fill them with joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices because my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Wow. You know, in the temple, there was a court for Gentiles. God always intended that all nations, all nations would worship him. So when we look again at, at who we have here in the, in the temple, we have those that were exchanging money. They had commerce. We had the disciples that came in with Jesus. And then after, what really impressed me was when Jesus cleansed the temple, he just didn't leave it empty, did he? That area was filled with healing of the lame and the blind. Wow. Wow. The other Gospels don't record that, I don't think. That really struck me in Matthew how there was a replacement of the old with the new. Again, what, what Christ is calling me to do. It's something that these religious leaders saw the miracles but chose not to believe. Sometimes we think, well, if only so-and-so would see a miracle, they'd believe. Now, there were those that did see that. But there are those whose hearts will not allow them to believe, even if they were to see a miracle. Amazing. Amazing. So what does the cleansing of the temple say to you? What does the cleansing of the temple say to you? There's another blank spot on your, on your bulletin. When I look at it, the first thing I see is God wants us to pray. God wants us to pray. His temple is to be known as a place of prayer for the nations. Wow. Let's, let's, be, let's be sure we're people of prayer. It tells me also to follow God's laws. We need to be following God's laws. And it tells me I need to cut out this, this, uh, the godliness, worldliness, the greed that's in my life, because that's what the money changers were doing, right? You had to use a temple coin, buy your pigeons, everything, bad exchange rate, expensive pigeons. Um, 
commerce. Commerce had replaced uh, the prayer in the temple. So is there a sin in my life that I need to cut out before God rips it out? Is there something in my life? Now, you know what? There's a lot of good things in our lives, in my life, that I need to, to cut out. It might be a lawful thing, but it's not a helpful thing. That's, that's where I live. There's many things that are lawful for me to do, but not everything is helpful. And when it comes to sin, we don't try to manage sin. We don't play with it just a little. We cut it out. We cut it out to replace it with something of God. We just don't play with it. So what does the cleansing of the temple say to you? Okay, the next, uh, we're going to skip over one of the, uh, the, the uh, Pharisees and church leaders were getting really upset with Jesus at this point. And he, uh, he tells them a couple of parables. But there's, and so he is talking to them very pointedly. They'd asked him by what authority he did those things. He gave them a parable. The next parable he goes right into is the parable of the two sons. And that's in Matthew 21, 28. Well, there we'll read. But what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son said, no, I won't. But later he changed his mind and he went anyway. And then the father told the other son, you go, he said. Yes, sir, I'll go. But he didn't. Which of the two sons obeyed his father? Well, they replied the first. Then Jesus explained his meaning. I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him, while tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. Wow. Wow. Again, when we look at, at what's happening here, that he's, he's showing them who is in the kingdom. Already we know that there are those tax collectors and prostitutes who have repented, accepted Christ, and are in the kingdom. Wow. To the Pharisees and the religious leaders, this was blasphemy according to their understanding. They didn't understand God's grace. They didn't understand their own scriptures. That's why Jesus is answering with them with their own scriptures and trying to give them parables to help them understand. And some of them are hardening and hardening their hearts. But before I uh, point a lot of fingers at the Pharisees, I need to make sure, look at what the fingers that are pointing back at me are saying. There, 
Have I hardened my heart in any area? Have I hardened my heart in any area? Am I willing, always willing to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord? That's what I want to be known. I want to be known to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Because God's Spirit will show me different things, and am I being as responsive as Christ calls me to, to be? You know, we've seen this triumphal entry or the messianic entry into Jerusalem where Jesus is accepting praise as the Messiah. And we see the religious leaders upset. We see the cleansing of the temple and we see Jesus replacing the things of man, the commerce, with things of God, the healing. And we see the religious leaders very upset. Because also the children are saying Hosanna, recognizing it as a Messiah. Religion can't save us. Religion cannot fill our houses with things of God. That's a choice we make. We make a choice of letting go of the things of this world, my expectations, and accepting the things of, of Christ. So what areas of my life do I need to trust and obey? Maybe I need to be more accepting of that grace. How about that peace? Jesus told us, my peace I give you. It's not the peace of the world. And when he told them what? You can have my peace because he has overcome the world. Wow. Wow, there's where I want to live. I want to live in God's peace. I want to live in grace. I want to live in this this, uh, I, I want to be empowered to do the things that Christ has called me to do. This is a get-to life. We are all members of God's kingdom. This is his world. This is my father's world, right? <laughs> Even the nature responds to Jesus Christ. Praise God. Praise God. So in our get-to life, we get to accept those things. But guess what? I get, to, I get to say, dear Lord, I'm sorry, I failed there. I get to go on my knees to confess and again repent. Because I'm not yet perfect. I do pray that I'm more Christ-like than, you know, today and I was yesterday and on this journey. But I just pray, Lord, and I, I give thanks. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being that gracious God. And uh, I, don't know what, I don't know what the Holy Spirit has said to you today. And it's not necessarily how I say it, what I say. We've gone through God's word. But we say, praise God, praise God for who he is. And I'd like to close this in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we give thanks. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that you have given us a peace, a peace that this world does not know. We pray, Lord, that we will be accepting of your, of your plan, of the things that you have for us to do. May we be quick to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out our podcast. You can learn more or connect with us online at easthills.org.